In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Love the sojourner, for you were once sojourners. So my, uh, my Saturday morning ritual usually involves a healthy dose of listening to the radio uh, while doing other things, getting red breakfast, uh, you know, all sorts of things. And uh, for some reason, NPR, my radio station of choice, uh, they like to put aside news on Saturdays um, for most of the morning. And uh, instead, there's a lot of like storytelling things. And, and I like it. I like listening to them. These stories that most of the time don't have much to do with the news. And uh, yeah, it's nice. So yesterday morning, uh, I'm listening to one of the radio shows. And uh, this woman is telling a story about how she had, she was a fairly recent convert to Islam, and uh, she had dreamed of going on the Hajj, which uh, the Hajj is one of the, the five pillars of Islam. So every Muslim, at least once in their life, was supposed to go all the way to Mecca uh, for this pilgrimage. And then there's always like a footnote, if you're able. It's, it's amazing to me that uh, a full fifth of this religion is like, you, you don't have to do it if you like, can't afford to do it. And you're like, well, okay. I mean, it seems like you didn't have to include that in the, one of the five pillars. But, but anyways, there you go. And so um, this woman, then she actually like, got to move to Saudi Arabia. She married a guy who got a job over there. And so she was just thrilled that she could go on the Hajj to Mecca. And... And, uh, and she said, because now I was able to accomplish one-fifth, 20% of my religion. And I thought this sounded strange. Because that what religion is to people, just checking things off of a list. Here's a list of things to do, just check them off, try to get them done before you die. You join, they hand you five things to do. Now in Islam, I, after like, you know, looking this up, and I, uh, I'm no Islamic scholar. I have read uh, Wikipedia articles about it, though, and, and it seems to me like it's not that hard. The five pillars of Islam, like they're, they're pretty easy. And it's like, as far as religions go, Islam has a pretty harsh reputation you know, with all the like beheadings and uh, caliphates and stuff like that, and uh, we've kind of been fighting them for a long time in our country, but but it really looks pretty easy. It looks like you can do it. Like if I were picking religions, that seems like a pretty good one. You know, like okay, well, I, I can do that stuff. You know, low but achievable goals. And like this lady said. She was able to get 20% of it done in just one trip. So I think maybe that's why this is like the second most popular religion in the world and the fastest growing religion in the world. But Christianity, we're number one, of course, and that's because it's like actually true. Um, if you're looking for a religion, I would, I would suggest that you pick one that's, that actually is true. True. Okay, so that's the one thing we've got going for us. We don't have an easy checklist, five pillars, but we do have the truth, if you're interested in that. So, you know, I, maybe that's why people like the other religions too. You know, you can kind of get them done. Just try to be good. There you go.
Now, I do love a good checklist, and if you look in my uh, daily planner, you will find lots of checklists in there. Uh, checklists, they help you organize your tasks, and the common wisdom for like making your checklists, I'm sure that you do this, is like you put even like the most minor things on it because it kind of gets you going, and so you, you, you write down on your checklist for the day, you put like, oh yeah, brush your teeth. And then once you brush your teeth, you can, you can put a line through that and you can congratulate yourself and you can say, look at what you've done. Like you've got, you are on a roll. And I mean, the, the rest of the day, there's no way you're not going to be able to get all that stuff done. It's, it's right there. Even the most mundane job is worthy of a place on the checklist. And then when you've done it, you can say... I did something. Hooray me. Look at me go. Uh, my checklist yesterday includes a line. I mean, it's like things that I know I'm going to do no matter what. Uh, write sermon. Probably no one else has that on their checklist on, on Saturdays. But, uh, you know, in, in a couple minutes I'll, I'll get to uh, cross that one off and I'll give myself a pat on the back and say, way to go, champ. I knew you could do it. And is that how we treat Christianity? As a checklist religion. Is that how you've treated it? Go to church, receive sacraments, rinse, repeat if necessary. I remember uh, a fair amount of my colleagues in my confirmation class when I was in 7th and 8th grade, like there were all these kids in there who knew that all they had to do was go through confirmation class and then their parents would never make them go back to church ever again. It was crazy. Like they, they just knew this and they just talked about it like that. Uh, you know, I, Lutheranism in the Midwest is kind of like Judaism in New York City, that way it's kind of this cultural thing. It's wild. Like what were what were we teaching those kids and, and what were we confirming them into? Essentially you're confirming their unbelief. Those are not children that need to stand up in front of the church and lie for Jesus. No way. Is that how we see the catechism? Like is it easy for us to turn the six chief parts into the five pillars of Lutheranism? That's how the Pharisees saw it. Like, hey, give us the checklist and we will do it. And we'll do it really well, too. We'll tip the scales. Yeah. So they want Jesus to tell them, well, what's the greatest command? It was an open question. There was an ongoing debate between two schools of thought at the time. And they wanted to see which side Jesus was on. But if you're looking for Jesus to tell you what to do, prepare to be disappointed. Jesus, tell us what is the greatest command. Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And then there's another one that's kind of like that too. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, we just we were just looking for one. Oh, he about sums it all up there, doesn't he? That's all the law, that's all the prophets, all the Old Testament. Love God, 
Love your neighbor as yourself. So if, if those are the two like boxes that you've got to check on your checklist religion, how, how are you doing? You're never, you're never going to check those things, are you? But see, there, there is no checklist. There is no ladder to climb. It's all or nothing. That's what Jesus is saying. They're looking for a way to weasel out of this. They won't find one. Neither will you. Instead, we wonder, what does life look like? when it's lived in grace and mercy and peace that's given from the crucified and risen Lord? What does life look like when it's lived in that peace that is given to you in holy baptism? What does that life look like that continues to repent and receive words of forgiveness? What does life look like when it is drawn to the altar to receive the forgiveness of sins in the body and blood of Jesus Christ, along with all of your other forgiven sinner brothers and sisters. Prominent theologian Stanley Hauerwas wrote a, a, this essay a long time ago now, but uh, he just says, Christianity is not a religion, it's an adventure. But have we reduced it to a set of obligations? You know, it's like, uh, part of my, my job is fielding questions like, well, uh, what do I need to do in order to blank at your church? What do I need to do in order to get married at your church? What do I need to do in order to take communion at your church? What do I need to do in order to be baptized, to be a member? And sometimes you wonder, it's like, are people just trying to like tip the scales in their favor? Like, that kind of goes on their resume. So at the end of all things, they say, well, I did get married in church. I did get confirmed. Never went back to church. Never cared about it. But I did it, didn't I? <laughs> that is the religion of Islam. That is the religion of the Pharisees. Trying to tip the scales in your favor. But... The funny thing about that is that there are no scales. They've been abolished in Jesus. And the world has been given back to you in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Love God and love your neighbor. How will we live? Well, that's it. It's simple. And it's fun to ask questions about this stuff. And there's a whole entire field of Christian ethics. And it exists in order to answer these questions about how we love God and how we love our neighbor. But at the end of the day, it really is simple. Love God. Love your neighbor. There is no checklist. No. Now, I, I, have, I have confessed to you before that I am a lousy paperwork pastor which is also why it's important for churches to have uh, secretaries, administrative assistants, whatever we call them, uh, because I'm not the only one who's like this. And uh, I know I should be better about this, but there is something icky about it, isn't there? Like something about it seems pharisaical. It's possible. I mean, it's possible that there could be a person who comes to this church 
that shares in our confession, that receives the word and the sacraments together with us here week in and week out. But then we still like, say they're not a member here because they don't have a paper on file. Like, what is that? That is so bizarre. That's no good. That's not how it goes. Membership has nothing to do with what papers have been signed. We like the checklist, yes we do. But obsession with checklists turns the world into a demented and twisted version of the gift that the Lord has meant it to be. You are free. You're free from your sins and from your trespasses. You're free from death itself. Free to do what? Well, free to love God and free to love your neighbor. But we know that freedom can be difficult, can't it? People who are freed from prison often have a very tough time getting back into the world. A checklist. It might be easier. But you have not been called to live an easy life. You're called to a life of love. First, that you are loved, which can be so difficult to accept, but your acceptance or not of the love of God, it makes no difference. The Lord still loves you. It's wonderful. It's true, no matter how you feel about it. And I can tell you for sure that God, the Lord, does love you. Because I have seen and heard his testimony concerning you in water and in word. He says, oh yeah, yeah, I love that one right there. And then you are the one who loves as you have been loved. Which again is also dangerous and difficult for love expects no favors or any return. In love, that opens you up to a world of hurt and pain too. Well, that's okay. That's how it's always been with the Lord. And at the end of all that is resurrection. Pure freedom. Love well, quite simply, it looks like Jesus, or he himself is love. And then, when Jesus is done with this, they don't ever ask him a question ever again. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.